Suicide on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. This week, I am so excited to have one of my dear friends, Keith Palmer, on the podcast with us. He's an associate pastor at Grace Bible Church here in Granbury, Texas. He's also training center director for the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship in Granbury. He's also a fellow of the board at ACBC. And so, Keith, we're excited that you're here. We're so grateful for the wisdom that the Lord's given you in, in helping us think through these very difficult issues. Well, thanks, Dale. It's good to be here. And yeah, it is a challenging topic, but it's one that uh, we really need to be talking about in our churches. That's right. As we think about this issue of suicide, one of the things that's, that's critical as we move forward, especially in the church, us paying attention to what's really going on in the culture, now suicide is seen as the 10th leading cause of death among adults. One of the things that we also need to know is that among adolescents, some people estimate that It is the first leading cause of death among adolescents. So it's something that we in the church really need to be paying attention to. What are some of the common characteristics of suicidal ideation, or what are some of those warning signs that we as ministers of the gospel ought to be looking for? Maybe we can start just by thinking about some of the reasons that suicidal people give, and then we can look also at things you could maybe notice more from a distance. So some of the reasons people give for wanting to commit suicide are various issues of rejection, you know, a breakup, loss of a friend, increasing age, and just illnesses related to the aging process, loneliness, maybe through a divorce or the death of a spouse, uh, loss of a family member, childlessness, some sort of idolatrous desire to be married that is not being fulfilled or some sort of overwhelming circumstance uh, like unemployment or horrific financial difficulties, pressures from school or work. And then uh, you think about in the scripture, um, a situation like Job where you have a number of those things going on. He's lost all of his kids. He's lost a lot of his livelihood. And then he has this chronic illness that just continues to afflict him. So I think those are some of the reasons uh, at least that I've heard over the years of reasons people might uh, want to commit suicide. And if you don't have the opportunity to talk to somebody, but you're just kind of watching from a distance in the context of the local church or within family members or relationships with friends, you're looking for things like hopelessness, giving away property, the recent loss of a loved one, or making a will all of a sudden. Um, sometimes people will begin to withdraw from relationships. I know as a pastor, One of the things I'm looking for is when people are not attending worship as frequently as maybe they did in the past, Mm -hmm. and and whatever the reason, you definitely want to try to just get to the bottom of that. Uh, Addiction issues are uh, associated with uh, suicide risk, so alcohol, drug abuse, prescription drug abuse. Significant changes in personality where someone just doesn't seem like they're themselves, and uh, you know maybe you've had a relationship with them in the local church or in family, and you go, man, there's something just not right. There's something that's different about this person. Uh, and then, of course, if they've actually communicated a desire to take their own life or they, they've uh, threatened that in some way, those would be all reasons uh, to take notice. Now, I know sometimes we might be hesitant to get involved in a situation like that. Maybe we feel like we don't want to exacerbate or to assume and we don't want them to feel uncomfortable 
But it seems to me when we see suicide rates growing and growing and growing, and, and our job in the church is to, to learn to care for people, what are some of the ways that we can be proactive, uh, be gentle in the way in which we approach somebody who may have some of these types of warning signs? Maybe at the top of our list ought to be just the simple idea that we need to be the church. Uh, the church is called by God to be a people uh, that lives for God's glory, that practices the one another's in the body of Christ, that we are invested in one another in terms of getting to know each other in relationships. So we think about a text like Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and following, where the leaders equip believers. Believers do the work of the ministry by speaking the truth in love. And, and all that necessitates really knowing people and being involved in their lives. And mm-hmm. so I think, I think one of the best things we can do is not settle for superficial relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've got to craft ministries. We have to not be content with programs alone, but we need to actually work to build real significant relationships with people where we can actually get to know them. I know in our church, one of the ways we've tried to do that is by having small groups, some sort of small group ministry. We call them home groups where we can kind of get past the superficiality Mm -hmm. that can sometimes be Sunday morning at the big worship service and uh, and get to know people in a more one-on-one or a small group level. So I think just being the church and and along with that, uh, taking that Ephesians 4 mandate seriously that we're not just doing things, but we are actually speaking the truth in love, getting to know one another people. And, um, and that means that our church needs to be educated. They, they need to take this calling seriously to invest in other people at a more significant level. And I think when we do that, uh, not only do we help with some of the isolation that creates risk where a person is struggling, they begin to isolate themselves, it's less likely for that to happen in a, in a healthy church, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also uh, some of these things that are hidden that we may not see in a more casual relationship, hopefully uh, that will come out. I think a second thing we can do is to train our people. Mm. Uh, you know, we pastors, uh, the elders, pastors of the church, have a call to equip the saints for the work of service. Going back to Ephesians, uh, we think of a text like First Peter chapter five, where the uh, the elders are called to shepherd the flock of God among them, or a text like Hebrews thirteen seventeen, where the leaders are called to uh, give an account. They're going to give an account to God for how they care for the souls of the people there. So. We need to be educating our people to know some of these risks and to know how to build relationships and to not, if they see something, if something doesn't seem right, uh, to not just sit back and say, hey, well, that's someone else's job or it's probably nothing, but to actually go to that person and, and ask them what's going on and try to get others involved in their situation. So those are, I think, two things we could do to to try to um, prevent these sort of things from happening. And Keith, I think those things are so important that sometimes we act as though we wake up one day and as a part of the church, we we just naturally have great relationships. You don't have good relationships at this level uh, without intentionality. And that's what God calls us to. And, you know, when we have those types of relationships, it's a lot easier to see change in patterns of behavior, or change in attitudes and emotions of people. So those are some great points. Now we get to a place where the church may have to care for someone who has tried to go through with suicide. They've attempted and maybe they've failed. A couple of different dynamics there. How, how do we approach someone in that situation? Well, I think first we just thank the Lord that they were unsuccessful, Mm -hmm. you know, and and unfortunately for every situation like that, you may have others where the person unfortunately was successful in taking their own life. So that's really a gift of God. And and I think that's that's part of how we approach it. And we come alongside that person who obviously is under 
some sort of distress or hopelessness that would cause them to do that. And we want to help them to see that God has really given them another chance. And uh, that's a grace of uh, His kind hand to do that. I, I think if, if that's a situation, someone has attempted suicide, I mean, the first thing we want to think about is their safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to leave them in a situation where they could potentially take their own life again. And this is definitely a time, you know, if there are weapons in the home, mm-hmm. depending on how they uh, attempted the first time, um, it may be very prudent to remove uh, weapons or get somebody involved who can do that. Of course, if, if it's a live situation uh, where a person is you know, still actively threatening or, or talking about that, that may be an opportunity where we want to get law enforcement involved. But, mm-hmm. but the point is we want to use both the uh, jurisdiction of the church and the jurisdiction of the state to try to help the person to be in a safe position. You know, where are they living? Who's around them? Um, we, we want to remove any possible means where they might be able to attempt suicide again and ensure that they're in a safe place. A second thing we'd want to do is really to try to begin to minister to the heart of the person. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a person who uh, has gotten to the place where they think this is the only answer uh, for their problem. And so in biblical counseling, of course, we want to ask a lot of questions. We want to listen well and hear, what is it? What is this person going through? What's the background? There's always a story and a context. We don't want to give pat, flippant answers, uh, just kind of dispensing Bible passages, but we want to care for the person well, first by listening to them and seeking to understand something of their situation. And then, uh, of course, the most wonderful thing we get to do as Christians is to open the Word of God and point them to the hope of the gospel mm-hmm. and the personal work of Jesus to, to demonstrate that things can be different. There, there is hope that, that this place mm-hmm. that they've gotten to where they believe there is no hope for their situation or it just it can't possibly ever be better to show them that that is actually deception. Mm-hmm. And, and the truth of God would say otherwise and, and to give them that initial hope in the gospel. Uh, if they're professing... Uh, faith in the Lord Jesus, we want to reaffirm that and help them to strengthen their faith in Christ. And if they're not a Christian, I mean, that's the first place we go to take them to a text like Matthew chapter 11, where Mm -hmm. Jesus says, come to me, you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest and to be able to unfold gospel promises uh, for that person. A couple other things we might want to do just preliminarily would be to create the right team. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is not a ministry for one person Mm -hmm. in the church alone. Uh, This is a church effort and multiple people need to be involved. For example, uh, having a lead counselor, having a a same-gender mentor, Mm -hmm. sort of a Titus II sort of disciple or mentor. So if it's a man, I want to pair them with another godly man. If it's a woman, I want to pair them with another uh, godly woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe making sure that they have some connection to the church in a home group. We'd want to look at their family situation, but the point is we want to create a team of people to come alongside and care. Those would be some preliminary things we'd want to do in that situation. Well, and I'm so appreciative that you describe not just the ministry of counseling, which certainly we are all about here at ACBC, but also the ministry of the church and how beautiful God's method is to utilize the fellowship of the body of Christ uh, to really minister to this person on multiple levels uh, and to do it intentionally. I think that's critical. Now, these are the, the situations that absolutely break my heart when I hear about these things. When somebody attempts suicide and they're successful. Now, we know that the scriptures make very clear uh, that life is difficult. 
life is hard at times. Jesus even tells us that uh, in this world we would have trouble. I mean, there's a reason he tells us not to lose heart. Well, because in the sin-cursed world that we live in, it's so easy for us to, to lose heart if our eyes are not on the eternal hope that we have. And the unfortunate truth of this, the matter is, is that there are times that people are despairing, despairing as Elijah did, even of life itself. And sometimes they go so far as to, to think that life is better if they just weren't here. And sometimes they're successful. What does a church do in a situation like that when people are successful at taking their own life? You know, I think that's a tragic opportunity for the church, you know, it's a tragic circumstance, mm-hmm. but it's it's a, a wonderful opportunity for the church to be the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an opportunity for everyone involved in the body of Christ to reach out in Christ-like compassion and help. And it can be something as simple, something as practical as making a meal. Mm-hmm. And it can be something as uh, significant in, in terms of spiritual care as formal biblical counseling. But it really does require a large effort on the part of the church to come alongside that family. Uh, and, and the Bible tells us the sort of things that we would want to do. Um, I think the first thing a church can do is just be present with the person or with the family. Uh, our pastor calls it the ministry of presence mm-hmm. in our church. Um, we know that uh, Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I will never leave you or forsake you. And so we demonstrate uh, Christ-likeness when we are with people in their sorrow and in their grief. Uh, we may not even need to say anything for a while, but just to be with them, uh, to hug them, to um, assure them that we are walking alongside them and we will uh, we will be there as long as uh, it's needed. I think another thing we'd want to do is to weep with those who weep. Um, as the body of Christ, we're all connected. Uh, Christ is the head, and yet we are all connected in the body of Christ. And the Bible would tells us we, we rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. And uh, we do. We put our arms around people like that, and we cry with them, and we grieve with them. And yet, as the Bible tells us, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Well, we turn to the Scriptures. Uh, we think about the encouragement, for example, of the Psalms, uh, Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Or Psalm 56, that that God has taken account of our wanderings. He's put our tears in his bottle, the text says. Mm -hmm. And and then the chorus of that psalm, and this I know, that God is for me and God whose word I praise. And just to to take refuge in the Lord and to lean on him and to know that he is there to care and uh, to really minister to that grieving person. I think as well, we also care for that family by um, thinking about so many practical things that have to happen uh, maybe it's um, helping them uh, to go through paperwork, you know, related to insurance policies. You know, maybe it's helping them to learn uh, the finances. If, if the person that passed away was the one in the family that did the finances. I know uh, recently in um, a situation like this in our own church, uh, one of the things that uh, our church was able to do for um, the person that was grieving the suicide, the, the family members that were left behind, is just to help them very practically with financial items and paperwork and things involving lawyers and insurance policies. So we got a team of people from our church that were um, experts in those uh, fields and were able to help the family members to work through that in the midst of it just being completely overwhelming. And then maybe a final thing we would want to do uh, is just to offer... Uh, ministry of the word care, that, that's formal biblical counseling, mm-hmm. it's one anothering, um, it's 
uh, speaking the truth in love. I, I can think of another situation where uh, a person went through a tragedy years ago, and every now and then uh, what this individual needs is the body of Christ reassuring her of truths that she already knows. And uh, we cannot downplay the importance of simply reminding people of the promises of the gospel, of who our God is and what he's like and how he cares. Even if that person has heard those truths a hundred times, it's the ministry of just repeating and encouraging the word of God so that in that moment of struggle, uh, they can have confidence in the truth of scripture. You know, Keith, that is, is so good for us to to think about and to talk about this issue. You know, if you're listening to the podcast today and and you've been struggling with this issue of suicide and you've been thinking, uh, man, maybe it's better that that I not live anymore. I, I want you to know we're doing this podcast to to train people to uh, to think about you today. I want you to also know that there are people uh, around in your circles and churches who care for you and who want to reach out to you. And I pray today that um, through this podcast that you've heard hearts of two men who would want to reach out to you and want to uh, see you through this really difficult time. For those of you who are listening, who are maybe regular listeners and you're a part of a, a local body, can I encourage you to, to have the eyes of Jesus? You know, Jesus paid attention to all the people around him. Uh, and in the crowds, he was able to pick out those who were hurting. He was able to, to take his eyes off of himself and to pay attention to the people in the crowd who were uh, in despair and who were struggling. I just encourage you throughout this next week and maybe the weeks to come to, to pause for a moment and to just have eyes of the Lord Jesus as you pay attention to those who are hurting. This world is difficult. It's hard to live in with the curse of sin. And we have the opportunity with the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ to minister to those who are hurting. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Recently, we announced that we are planning an annual conference in Memphis, Tennessee, and we are so excited that we want to join this public conversation about this issue of suicide. Listen, the church can bring clarity to an issue like this, and my prayer is that you will join us in Memphis, October 7th through the 9th for this very important conference where we're going to address how to minister to those who are despairing deeply. The topic of our conference is Valley in the Shadow, Suicide, Self-Harm, and Scripture. If you want more information about that conference and other trainings from ACBC, please visit us at biblicalcounseling.com.